Good morning, Oikos. So this morning we get to approach a lie that many of us have bought into, if not all of it, part of it, that God is not a good father. But to get to this lie, I think we have to deconstruct the lie. The first part is many times we have to see that God is actually God, that God is God. And I think sometimes we look for goodness in many other places, but the problem is when you don't look for goodness in God or from God, you will not find it. The Ten Commandments begin with, you shall have no other gods before me. And we will say those things, we will know those things, but it is the hardest commandment to live. Setting from the start the importance that God is number one is one of the hardest things for us to do. That God is really God. That he has full control. That our lives depend on him. That all goodness comes from him. Because God is perfectly loving, perfectly loving. He sends us on a quest. He points us in our direction to find goodness. So ultimately, he points us to him. When we actually see that God comes first, when we actually say, God, you are my God and there's no other God before you we begin to see a glimpse of goodness. And yet many of us live in this life of discontentment. Anyone discontent this last week? A little bit? Something that you just felt like wasn't quite right? Maybe you end up saying something like this, or perhaps your thoughts begin to dwell, if I just had, Ever say that? If I just had money or that particular thing, I think Sarah was talking about, an iWatch. If she just had that, is it an iWatch or Apple Watch? Apple Watch. I kind of just showed my age there. Just erase that from your memory. An Apple Watch. If she just had an Apple Watch or she and I have found ourselves saying with our house, well, if we just get this finished, then it'll be finished. And then in the same sentence, we go, and that. <laughs> well, oh, and, and that too. Well, then it'd be really good if we had that. And that, and that, and that. If I just had this, or maybe you, you looked at that girl and you said, oh, if I just had a relationship with that girl, or if I just had a relationship with that guy, then, then I'd have peace. Or maybe it's not even a, a girl or a guy that you know, it's just this imaginary person that if this person would come into my life, then things would be good, good. Or maybe it's a job. Man, if I had that job, I mean, I know you all walk out here and go, man, if we had Lytle's job, that'd be awesome. 
Yeah, I thought that would be what it was. <laughs> Things would be good. Maybe you find yourself pining away for those those things, that one thing. Because deep down, if you do a heart check, you think it may offer more than God. Deep down, if your retirement fund was fully funded, maybe that would offer more than God. Deep down, if that job, that particular supervisor was out, it would offer more than God. Deep down, if my health was just a little bit better, it'd offer more than God. So do you struggle with fixating on buying or getting certain goods? Do you ever say, we really need to get when it's something that isn't really a necessity at all? If so, why do you think that's the case? It's a question for you guys to just Reflect on when you start looking at that first lie that Satan says, God is not a good father. And you approach it with, do I really believe that God is God? That he has power over everything. And if he has power over everything, that means if I'm looking for goodness, the only person I should look to is him. The prophet Jeremiah can speak from God's perspective, of what he thinks when he finds us looking elsewhere. This is from Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps you haven't recognized God as a good father because you haven't recognized him as your God. Perhaps you're so busy running after other things, hoping that it'll bring just a little bit of goodness in your life, that you've forgotten the one who gives everything. Maybe it's hard to see him. Maybe you find yourself digging for things, digging for goodness and you find nothing. No goodness is found. Well, if you're that person, God's invitation to you this morning, if you're digging and digging and digging and trying to find goodness, you're working 70 hours a week thinking that maybe that next paycheck is going to bring a little bit more goodness, God has an invitation for you this morning. He's inviting us to stop digging for goodness for ourselves and start digging into him. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 4. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. If you keep on digging yourself, looking for goodness, 
yourself, you will become thirsty. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He's speaking this to a woman who is digging in all the wrong places to find a little bit of goodness. What she found was that she's tired. She was ashamed, and she felt abandoned. And Jesus stepped in and said, stop looking for yourself. Stop trying to find goodness outside the Father. Come to me, and I'm going to give everything that you need. Every drop of goodness that you need in your life comes from me. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you recognize that God is God. You have no problem there whatsoever. You never put anything before him. Maybe you see him, that he is God, but he's just not good. Maybe you see this being that's all powerful, yet you just don't see enough good. Instead of a God that's full of mercy and grace, you see a God that's looking at every action you commit and is looking for a way to punish you. You mess that up. Watch it. It's coming. Ooh, I screwed that one up. God's going to get me. Oh, I don't want anyone to know about that. going to punish me. Maybe you try to lie to yourself or justify your way out of it. Or maybe you just ignore him, hoping that he'll forget. Maybe it's hard for you to see God as a good father because you can't see that he is good. God's greatest goodness comes from removing our sin. God's greatest goodness comes from removing our sin. Psalm 103 says it this way. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. This is his character. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful, his covenant of those who obey his commandments. God's punishment can no longer be on us. It ended with Jesus. 
on the cross. God is not a God who is looking at your actions and making marks and declaring, oh, it's time for some punishment for you. You didn't meet the mark. Oh, I know that thought you just had. It's time to really punish that person. I think too many of us see God this way. The bad we do, he marks, and then something bad's going to happen with us. Instead of the God who revealed his character to Moses as loving, compassionate, kind, gentle, removing our sin as far as the east is from the west, his character is good. His character is kind. Now, he did punish in the times of the flood. The whole earth saw the punishment. He punished before Jesus came because it was the only way to get rid of sin. But the moment that Jesus died on the cross, he said the punishment is gone because all I see in you is my son, my daughter. I love you. As parents, we know that we may fail to be good parents. Sometimes we punish. You know those times that you get really angry at that thing that you created? And then you realize you're not supposed to say that even? Is there your child, your gift? Sometimes you relent and you pull back and you say, I'm not here to punish them. I am here to discipline. And discipline comes in love. Discipline has words like, I'm for you, even when you feel like I'm against you. I love you when you don't love me. I'll walk with you even when it's hard. But too often we see God as a punishing God, someone who deals with us out of his anger instead of his love. Psalm 32 displays a different kind of God. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong, strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So maybe you see that God is God. Maybe you see that God is good. Maybe you have no problem with either of those two statements. But when the word Father comes in, it's hard for you to swallow. 
You can see that God is God and that God is good, but maybe he's a distant God who doesn't know you. So maybe he's good to a lot of other people, but he doesn't know you. So why would he be good to you? Yet God claims intimacy with you. The moment he says, you're my son, my daughter. He knows you. The moment he looks to you and says, well done. Way to go. I'm for you. I actually know what you did yesterday. And even though 99% of it wasn't good, I'm going to cheer you on on the 1% that was. 1 John describes the Father this way. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. If you're going to write a little post-it and stick it somewhere, that would be a good one. Put that one in your mirror so that when you wake up in the morning, you can say, every day I wake up, I have a father who loves me. He calls me his child, and that is who I am. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. There's an awesome thing coming. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will be seen, for we will see him as he really is. Maybe it's just the word father doesn't sit well with you because of your experiences with fathers. Maybe your father wasn't good. Actually, probably every father in this room could probably say at some point, I wasn't all that good. But I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the fathers who were absent. Fathers who did punish and rarely discipline. The fathers who came home and disregarded their family instead of lifting up their family. Fathers who said things about your identity that were not true. And they didn't care. So maybe when you hear the word father, rather than a good and gracious and caring and loving God, you see an angry, disordered man. But God wants to redeem that for you today. The word father doesn't need to be something that brings on anxiety and doubt and disillusion. He wants to redeem that image for you because he is a good father. He keeps his promises even when we don't. So he made a promise to love you and he will fulfill that. 
he's not stepping away from that. So in the moment that you think, man, I'm so unlovable, well, our God has a promise, and his promise is, I'm going to love you. And that's why I sent my son, to take away everything that was unlovable and then place upon you the seal that says, I love you forever. He loves you even when you hate him. Those times when you don't want him in your life. When you feel like he's hurt somebody. Or feel like he was not able to step in. Or he just chose not to. Even in those times, he looks at you and says, you're my child. You're welcome with me. He's for you. Even in those times when you're against him. You know those times. Those times you've heard him. You know he's asking you to go a certain way. And you choose to go the other. Well, he doesn't just say, see ya. He actually follows you. And he waits for you to turn back to him. Those times he cheers you on, that's the kind of God we have. Even in those times that you don't acknowledge that he's there. He's that person in the crowd that you may not even know that's cheering you on. Or one way that I get an image of this is that my son, when he's playing baseball or soccer, and I'm there going, go, Zach, you're awesome. And he's like this. I'm like, I know you know I'm here. And he's like, and then every once in a while, he'll turn, he'll see me, and I'll be like, and he'll smile. And that's us with God. He's cheering you on even when you don't want him to. He's that voice giving huge words of encouragement even when you think you're worth nothing. That's our God. That's our Father. That's our good, good Father. He is always with you, even when you feel like you're totally alone. It's those times that we're totally alone that we start to dig for goodness where we cannot find it. And the funny thing is, is goodness is right beside us. I'm sure you've experienced that when you feel totally alone and you're trying to find a way not to feel alone. And the truth of God is he's right there. Sometimes I think he's smiling at us just going, you're not that alone. I'm still here. Sometimes I think he's shedding a tear for us because he sees that we're losing hope. And yet he's right. Here. He will not forsake you or disown you. He won't write you out of the will. You got a place. 
His words are always kind and gentle and encouraging and uplifting. And yes, he does discipline us. He does guide us because he actually cares about us. He cares about your life. No matter how important you are to a bunch of people or how unimportant you are to a bunch of people, your life is significant to his, to him. He never gives up on you. So when we're called to be like him, that's what he's asking us to begin to infuse into our character. To never give up on people. To make our yes be yes and our no, no. To fulfill our promises. To love when people hate us. To stand by them even when they really don't care if you're there. That's why God is described this way in Psalm 107. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he's done for them, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Jesus himself invites us to claim his father as our father. In Matthew 6 starting in verse 7, it says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people, this is Jesus speaking, of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. For your Father knows exactly what you need. Pray like this. Our Father our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Our Father. This is Jesus, the perfect Son, who we spit upon, who we deny, who keeps on loving us day after day after day, who we forget to acknowledge or talk about in our lives, and yet still stays centered right beside us. This guy who gave his life up, even though he didn't have to, because he wanted to. Because he actually wants you. He wants you to be with him forever. It's what a father would do for their children. Because you do anything to keep your child alive. A good father would. A good mother would. A good brother or sister would. That's what Jesus does. He gives his life up so that we could have life. And then he gives us a big invitation that we're not just servants in this household that he's calling us into, but we're co-heirs. I want that to settle on you a little bit when we think about this lie that Satan tells us that 
God's not a good father. Look at all this messed up world that we have. Jesus invites us to call him our father. So easily Jesus could have said, he's my father and he's kind of your father. He's my father and you can have the guest room. But instead Jesus says, he's our father. So not only will I give my life up for you, but I'm going to give up part of my inheritance for you. A piece of my kingdom for you. The next time you say the Lord's Prayer, don't let the Our Father slip by you. Because it's a great invitation from Jesus that says, He can be your Father too. And not just an ordinary, average Father, but a really, really, really good, gracious Father who loves you. Satan wants us to believe that he's not really God, that he's not really good, and that he's not really your father. But our response to Satan is, you're a liar. There's a reason why he's called the father of lies. Because he attacks our heart with a lie that would make us turn away from the one who brings all goodness. And the greatest goodness is our freedom from sin. God is a good father. We have a testimony this morning from Adrian as he wrestles with, do I really believe that God is a good father? Testimony is an important thing. And we know it's an important thing because in Revelation 12, Verses 10 and 11 says, For the accuser, Satan, of our brothers and sisters, has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. The one who spreads lies. It says in verse 11, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Christ invites us to testify when we see him in victory. So this morning, I'm proud to show a video of seeing God at work in the life of Adrian. Let's take a look. About two months ago, I didn't get a job that I had uh, spent a lot of time in preparation, uh, practicing interviews rearranging my schedule uh, for to do three interviews, invested a lot of time seeking advice um, about the job and, and things like that. A lot of effort and energy, and I didn't get it. And I think, I know that in that moment, uh, the disappointment, the hurts, everything that you can think of in regards to disappointment, I felt uh, emotionally uh, right off the bat, um, even anger probably up there. In that moment, um, I became inward focused, believing the lie that God wasn't a, a good father to me. 
but not getting that that job was probably a bigger blessing that I could have uh, I haven't I can imagine it provided me uh, the margin that I need uh, to grow spiritually alongside my, my spiritual family and I'm really thankful for that uh, I don't think I would have been able to to do the the tasks and hold the responsibilities that I hold right now with 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 that job and um, that's ultimately God being a good father because uh, he understands what what he wants for me I don't understand what he wants for me and he knows what what I need I know what I want but that's not necessarily what I need and that's that's God working and being a good father to me is as providing to me the blessings that that he knows that I need um, to help me grow and to, to be the uh, the man I need to be in his kingdom my name is Adrian Salas, and I know that God is a good father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word through people, through the Bible, through songs that we sing, that your spirit moves within us and through us, and that you are a good, good father. Who loves us. Lord, when we begin to be, take in and buy that lie that you're not really God or you're not really good or you're not really our Father, allow us to call out the one who's making those lies come true, making us think that they could come true. Call him as a liar. Give us the strength and courage to do that. And then return to you and look to you in your face. Look at your promises. Listen to your word. Return to your people, Lord, who can remind us that we have a place at the table. In your name we pray. Amen.